Lindsay. Martha. <laughs> I am very excited about our guest today, um, Margie Pines. Me too. She's amazing. We've worked with her professionally over the years, and she's always been a pleasure to work with. So inspirational, so optimistic, and just has a great like outlook. Right. So today's topic is actually meaningful outdoor play for children. And we thought of Margie right away because she is like the outdoor, outdoorsy queen, if you will. And our experiences with her like have shown us that she, this is her, this is her strong area, an area where as an educator, she can really help other educators grow. So the episode with her chock full of tips, easy to implement tips, like very accessible. Yeah, very accessible tips. She runs now a program called Tom Teva. And what it is, is a nature-based Jewish preschool. It's afternoon preschool. Um, And she also runs, there's also family programming that she does, but it's all outside. Um, It seems to be like such an amazing opportunity for kids especially like the city kids in this area and the suburb kids and we talk more with her about it during the episode but if you want more information on that it's um ta'am teva so t-a apostrophe a-m and then space teva t-e-v-a it's just tomteva.com we'll have the link on our blog um and then yeah so she just she gives tips about bringing the Bringing and class outside and bringing outside to your class. And you did a little of that on Friday with our class. Yes, I did. And you know what? If you're following our Instagram, you will see more of the way we implemented some of Margie's awesome tips and the way you can do that too. Cause like, it's so easy. And I feel like Lindsay, we, there's a lot more we could be doing and Margie like really helped us. I mean, it definitely involves being t- intentional and like planning it out a little bit, but it's so easy. Yeah, like you, once, once you do it a couple times, you're like, yeah. you know? Yeah. It becomes like nature, second, second nature. <laughs> That's a pun. <laughs> second nature. Okay, let's time. Um, Without any further ado, here is our interview with the amazing Margie Pines. Hello. Hi, Margie. Hi. Hi. How are you? We're We're good. How are you? I am good. Just taking a deep breath. Yes. Probably you guys too, right? It's like there's so much for everyone right now. Yes, every day I just have a, a panic moment and I do the deep breaths. <laughs> yeah, no, good. Yeah, good. so cool. Well, we are really glad to have you uh, talking about outdoor play because I think this is an area for me and Lindsay where we just, you know, being in the city, Lindsay has a lot more like time outside. She has a cottage in Wisconsin, but... I'm just like concretejungle.com. <laughs> and I like it just in general, I'd like to think about how we can like rethink recess with our kids outside and yeah, bring like more nature inside, I would say. No, I love that. I think everybody's thinking about that right now because right now 
you know, it's safer to be outside. That's yeah, for everyone. Yeah, and we have no idea what our outdoor situation is going to really look like next year, and I bet a lot of people are in that boat. But I guess, you know, we'll figure it out when we get to it. But to get started officially, um, if if you're ready, um, would you mind giving us a little bit of background information on, like, how you got into teaching and outdoor play, and then we can talk a little bit about Tom Teva. Is that how you say it? Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. All right, go for it. So I got into teaching really accidentally. Um, (laughs) My son is the same age as Leanne Nathan's daughter. We were at a junior high parent night, and um, she was talking to a friend of mine and said, I need someone to sub for me tomorrow. My teacher broke her ankle. (gasps) And my friend looks at me and said, you could do it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So literally through somebody who broke her ankle, which I feel badly about, she was out for the year. She had to have surgery and all this other. Oh, wow. And I, at the time, I had done some banking law, and it was like boring, and I was just really kind of, um, I was wondering about some of the education that my son was getting, and it didn't make sense to me, but I hadn't taken education classes, so I felt like, uncertain about questioning the principal and the teachers about um, some things Mm -hmm. in junior high that um, I I didn't know anything about education. It just didn't feel right to me. So it came at a good time because I ended up taking classes and learning that the things I was concerned about were valid concerns and that Mm -hmm. pushing academics... um, at any of the ages, um, you know, children need to be intrinsically motivated. So that's how I got into it um, and just really fell in love when I started it. So That's awesome. Wow. Um, Margie, how long have you been teaching now? Yeah, so about 12 years. Wow. Awesome. awesome. Well, where does your love of, like, the outdoors come from? So I am a kinesthetic learner. I, th- I think I've come to... Um, you know, realize over the years, once I learned and went back to school and learned about all those categories, um, I like to move. Mm-hmm. And um, I always liked being outside, but I was like, in the nature world, we call it nature privileged because like you, <laughs> you know, you don't really have that privilege. You know, yes. there's a lot of families that don't. Um, so we spent out time. I came from a big family of seven our family vacations were camping because it was really expensive to take, um, it was car trips and camping. And I just assumed everybody had a childhood like that. Um, until I realized they didn't. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would say I've never (laughs) camped with my whole family ever. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I kind of thought that way, but, um, you know, it was the culture I grew up in and, um, we spent a lot of, I have three boys who loved being outside and it just, you know, that that's what we did when they were little in my neighborhood. Everybody was outside with their kids when my kids were growing up. So I think that's, that's shifted a lot. Yeah. Um, And you know, that kind of brings me to why um, I started Tom Teva is that I noticed probably seven, eight years ago that 
children were not getting outside with their families very much. Um, mm-hmm. I used to send home this outdoor bag, like people do the Shabbat bag. Yeah. And it was just like, see if you can find the color green outside, like that simple. <laughs> right. Oh, right. And, um, a week later, families would be like, we didn't have a chance to do it. Right. And I, I would think, hmm, like at first I was a little annoyed and then I thought, I really needed to look at where these families were and why. Um, So instead of being judgmental, which doesn't benefit anyone, I saw how stressed out they were and how busy they were and how they're always under pressure and scrambling. I mean, they get home from work, they've got to make dinner, do the laundry, um, homework with another sibling. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so much stress on the families right now. And, um, a lot of children aren't getting these experiences at school either. Um, I don't think outdoor time has been seen as valuable in a lot of circles because people don't view it as academic or um, a space where learning can take place. And, um, it's, you know, that's really not exactly true. There's a lot of learning that takes place, obviously, but I think that if people haven't been outdoors a lot, they don't view it the same way. Um, they don't view it as a classroom. Right. Um, yeah. I, the, sorry, go ahead. The other thing is I, um, we had gone to Israel right about that time too. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with their farms and, um, the way the Israeli people, um, created, all the trees out of the desert and the way they're able to farm the land with all these values respecting the land and actually lots of things that come from the Torah about, um, you know, not mistreating the land, uh, Mm. taking care of the environment. Um, So I saw that there were all those values with gardening, with farming, and I started thinking about the Jewish values around other things outdoor, like um, he wrote like amazement and awe, like slowing down to see the little miracles all around you all the time that we just walk on by, um, right. you know, and I didn't see anybody in the Chicago area doing this work, but I did know people from Denver and Boston. And, um, when I saw it, I was so excited to see what they were doing at some of these other schools. And I just, I just wanted to stop talking about it and actually dive in. Yeah, that's awesome. And just for people listening, what is Tom Teva and what do you do there? So Tom Teva is a nonprofit. It's a 501c3. And we provide um, programs um, for children um, with outdoor experiences through a Jewish lens. Um, last year, we also provided programs to families, and I'm trying to reframe that because of the COVID regulations. And um, like, for instance, for Purim, we went to a Cook County Forest Preserve and did scavenger hunts where mm-hmm. they had to... Um, so, so we did, you know, a Hanukkah program, um, a Tubishvat. But the programs for the children are, are really like preschool classes. Awesome. So, and are they like weekend based or like are they daily or? 
No, it's it's afternoon based. Oh, right. So okay. It was after children finished morning programs, they would come to us. Yeah. Eventually, I'd like to work up to a longer day. Amazing. Um, but uh, I started with myself, <laughs> and now <laughs> I have a couple other people helping. But because um, I wasn't sure if there would be interest or not, so I started with myself, and, and now with COVID, there is a lot of interest. So. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's so wonderful, especially when kids are in school all day. It's, like, nice to be able to get outside at the end of the day. And I I read somewhere that you children need, like, ideally three hours a day outside. Have you, like, heard about the time? There is. There yeah. was actually a study last year out of, I think it's Denmark. It, maybe it was Denmark yeah. or Sweden. And they talked about um, children zero to eight and the amount of time they spent yeah. in green spaces. And um, it, it was about, I don't know if it was two hours, maybe. Okay. Not I was like, my stat was three, but I can't remember if it was valid or not. <laughs> but yeah, no. I would say like, no, 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 but I, I, I feel like yours is probably more valid if you remember. But yeah, I would say it was probably recommended at least two, right, for kids each day. Yeah, and it's what they linked it to is it was a long-term study, and children who spent that much time outside between the ages of birth and eight had up to 55% less mental disorders as adolescents and young adults. Whoa. Whoa. Like in adulthood? Because I, I definitely think of, like, less anxiety for children, but I don't think of uh-huh. how it would translate to your being an adult. Like, it, it carries with you, huh? It does. Wow. It does. Those were things like anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the mental health aspect is really important. I mean, families and children are under even more stress right now. Um, You know, I think children who might not be as verbal, like trying to figure out why everybody's, they can't see their friends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of internal um, angst going on with, um, with kiddos that they can't always tell us verbally that we have to look at their behaviors to see what is it, you know, you're saying to me? But, yeah, so um, the mental health aspect is is huge. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that being – what is it about outdoors that can, like, relieve some of those feelings in the, like, now but also help in the future? So a, a couple things. First of all, nature just has a calming influence on people. Mm-hmm. Um, look how many people go out for a walk mm-hmm. that – it's like taking a deep breath. Um, when you're outside, it's so multi-sensory. So um, nice. You've got yeah. smells. You have the. You can feel the wind. You can see things. Um, you can hear things. So it's really wraps your whole self. Right. It's grounding. It is. It is. And and there's also a lot of things about. First of all, the physicality. There's something about, um, I saw one research article that said 89% of indoor school time is sedentary. Yeah. And little children are not meant to be sedentary. It's just no. not, it's not good for them. And it's really yeah. not good for anybody. Totally. You know? To just yeah. So a lot, and also when you spend time outdoors, it's, it's really different for kiddos nowadays. I, they're used to being watched by somebody all the time. Yes. Like, 
they have no sense of freedom. Like when I was growing up, I could disappear for hours. Yeah. Um, and there's something about not being watched and also the ability to take risk. Right. Outdoor play involves a lot more um, what I call risky play um, that might not be allowed in a lot of preschools. Um, for instance, right. just even playing with sticks. Um, yeah. We definitely want to talk about risky play. My class I'm taking is uh, risk and hazards and how you, um, so risks are good, but hazards are something that you learn to mitigate. Like you assess them and figure out how you can um, make them less hazardous. Yeah. I mean, we <clears throat> think about this a lot just, and also kind of what you were saying, like when kids play outside now, they're looking at you, you know, every step they take a lot of the times to see, like, is this okay? Is that okay? Did you see that? <laughs> like, how do I feel yeah. about this? And, yeah, I feel like that risky play, like, even when I was little, like, playing outside, my mom would just call yep. eventually, and I'd I, hear her. I, I would say that maybe also because it's more city you know for what we're experiencing is more yeah. sitting I think it's smaller spaces I even think it's suburban maybe not like Wisconsin yeah. like where you're like from yeah. but I think like in I don't know what you think Margie but like around the suburbs of Chicago too even they're like uh-uh no way are you going outside by yourself uh, absolutely I mean my kiddos used to walk to school so my twins yeah. are 31 and they were not in the majority people I mean literally our house backed up to the school field so they had to walk across the soccer field I could see them the whole way mm -hmm. to the teacher um and they wanted to like walk and be on their own so I would go up to the second floor of my house so they couldn't see me watching them <laughs> <laughs> because I felt like that was my issue not theirs yeah like you and wanted them to have that sense of independence well, and it's how you view a child. Are they competent? Right. Yes. Can they walk across the soccer field? They can. Yeah. And um, I allow my three-year-olds like wander in my yard because I have a gate. I don't know if that's bad. <laughs> no. I'm like she that, gated in, so she can't disappear, but she loves being outside. So I feel like it's pretty like you know low risk if she's outside alone. Right. 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 And that's that's great that you're assessing the risk and saying mm -hmm. okay. What are the benefits here? She gets some free time. She can explore. Nature's treasures. Um, yeah. I yeah. Call, I call them nature's treasures. Collect <laughs> your nature's treasures and bring them back. Isla <laughs> loves a good treasure. Yes. Um, I think, too, like, when, and sorry, and talking about risks, too. Like, yes, there are, like, you mentioned that you're learning about fire safety. So, like, obviously not every school is going to be able to, like, accommodate that situation. But. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, like, in a lot of synagogues, I learned that you actually can because they already are permitted since they like light candles weekly that they're like at least licensed to do so anyway um i think a lot of it though there's a lot of risk that teachers that could be taken that teachers kind of put the kibosh on because they're scared so i think mm -hmm. yeah if you have any tips about like what you think um, teachers could be like what their inner dialogue could be when they're seeing so and so pick up the stick yeah. or so and so walk up the slide. You know what I mean? Yeah, the upslide. Oh, the upslide. <laughs> Martha and I are upsliders. We're okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so to me, what I would do 
Um, and what I did in Tom Teba is we talked about the type of play, involved the children in helping to establish boundaries of what would work for that. Um, and because a lot of teachers did not like the upslide. Yeah. They were really upset mm-hmm. about letting my kids do that. So we talked about it at a staff meeting, what would work. And um, I always started outside. So it worked because nobody else was out there. But we talked about rules like you can't go up at the same time somebody's going down. So we have to either make it like we had a sign. Is it an upside or downslide? Mm-hmm. Um this morning, like deciding that before the day even began. So before you even see the kind of play, think about what boundaries might be good um, and what, and involve the children in the discussion because like stick play, for instance, I know if we go on a walk, they are going to pick up sticks. I mean, they just love it. Like your daughter, Lindsay wants to collect. She brings in um, sticks daily. <laughs> yeah, so I, and people <laughs> have different um, comfort levels with this. Yeah. So one thing you might say is you can't pick up a stick longer than your arm. And I painted a stick gold, oh, and yeah. to start off with, the gold stick was really short. Oh. Uh, and I said, okay, so just because you want to do it in phases, like you don't have to do right. so. We're going to start with sticks this long. So take take your stick and hold it against the gold stick, mm-hmm. golden stick, and you know, and then the, gradually the stick can get longer as they as you feel more comfortable with the children in your care. And um, also the rule about some people call it a bubble um, that nobody can be closer to you than the length of your stick. So hold your arms out and make sure nobody is close enough to you to be hurt. Right, like so, while holding your stick, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have like an imaginary bubble around yourself yeah. so that you don't hurt somebody else. Yeah. These are great tips. I love the idea of using a visual. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like you're saying, like, think about it beforehand. And I think you're saying to be intentional And that is almost what makes the outdoors, like, this space to be, um, like, respected more, you know? Be intentional up front. Yeah, Think about these things that happen on the playground. And using the sticks to write your name or even breaking them up, make letters. um, Totally. A lot of fun. They, They really like doing that, too. So, but, yeah, I mean, Lindsay being intentional about it, so I... Even when I was still teaching a regular classroom, I went outside every morning, looked at what was out there, you know, because it changes every single day, which is actually one of my favorite things about being outside is it's never the same. And um, intentionally planning based on what was out there, like, um, are there birds coming back for the spring? Um, Are birds leaving? You know, just really observing what's out there as well as safety. Like, there's a big windstorm, so there's lots of sticks on the ground, like, thinking about it. Right. And I think it's about, too, like, in the city, and then after this we we should get into the, like, you know, what we typically see and how we can kind of change it. But I think, well, I guess this kind of does get into it. So typically when I'm outside, 
with my friends and with Lindsay, <laughs> um, you know, we're in the city and um, there's nature around us because the school plants and we have trees on the property and just a couple like areas for nature. Um, I wouldn't even say that much just being in the middle of the city. But sometimes there's, like, some trash, <laughs> and the kids just love the trash. Like, love they it. love, like, a plastic this or, a like, wrapper. yeah, a wrapper, a Band-Aid, you know. And I think it's... Hair thing. A lot of times I can see myself being like, whoa, 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 put that down, that's garbage, that's garbage. But then I think maybe a better way to go about it, Margie, tell me if I'm wrong, is to stop and really start a conversation about, like safety and what we're picking up yeah. and make it a more of a, a teachable moment. Exactly. I mean, trash, trash can be dangerous in the city. I mean, I don't know. Right. That's what you've found, obviously right, some but, trash you know, is fine. Especially now. Like, with COVID, right. you know right. what I mean? I don't know. Maybe, but that's, yeah. I feel like that's where you get into go observe before. So notice there's a lot of trash outside. Maybe we'll bring a garbage bag with us and some gloves mm. and be like, kids today you know we noticed there's a lot of trash outside too if you want to pick up some trash it'd be really great to help the environment so, I so like one thing I did this is a couple years ago is to introduce recycling is I actually put clean trash out on yeah. the playground which I know sounds ridiculous oh I love <laughs> that I do too um, cleaned out yogurt containers and plastic things and put it all over the playground and when they got there they were like I mean this was pre-covid right um we might I was a like, study for this year. <laughs> right. What happened here? And they're like, who put all this on our playground? And what, you know, and they took ownership of, I'm like, oh, wow, it's not very fun, is it, to have, you know, garbage. And so I let them pick it up because I knew it was, and then we sorted it. Like, we talked about mm -hmm. recycling. And um, so we introduced a lot of concepts that way. Um, just mm -hmm. saying you don't like when, when trash is there. And I absolutely would go on your playground before mm -hmm. anybody goes out. Like, somebody should be doing that to make sure yeah. something. I mean, it That's could even true. be just, like, animal poop. Like, we should definitely, I, I like that idea of, like, being intentional though and checking it out before. It. Because even if someone's not cleaning it, then we can at least, ourselves, or something, yes, bring yes. gloves, I don't know. Because there aren't garbage cans outside at our school because they don't want to, like, encourage people eating outside, I feel like. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I think that's the biggest thing in rethinking recess is right. instead of just going outside is really thinking intentionally about what you want to happen out there before yeah. you go. Okay. I love it. So do you have any um, ideas about like materials though, yeah. that you would maybe bring out or different like invitations that you can kind of set up that it's outside for outside exploration? Yeah. I mean, so we did not have a lot of toys at Tom Teva. Yeah. Um, what, what we did put out, and I don't, you know, you'll have to kind of work out with your classes how you guys share this. Right. Uh, everybody, we got binoculars. Mm -hmm. We got um, magnifying glasses. Wow. Um, and buckets. Because, Lindsay, every child all over the world in every culture loves to collect and gather. Yeah, um, yes. Not just, and, not just Isla the Explorer. <laughs> collect, yeah, Isla the Explorer with her buckets. Yeah. And critters. Right. So it, it doesn't have to be a bucket. I mean, maybe it can even be a paper bag or yeah. whatever it is. Or a recycle item. Have at your school. But we did things like, um, like for instance, I would put out a map 
like a, just a big piece of brown paper with an X. Um, and they, I would just leave it out on the playground and they would find it and be like, oh my gosh, treasure is somewhere. Uh, like, and so it would go into it. the whole fantasy game of what's the treasure, where are the clues. Um, and you, you can hide things like rocks with a picture. Like we did a bear hunt with oh, rock with a picture yeah. of a bear on it hidden around like an area yeah i love that because then you can bring in different animals and, and like, literacy there because yeah. there's that whole book mm-hmm. yeah you read the book and we've actually done i don't know if you've ever done a story walk that's really fun what for the kids a story walk so a story walk is you take a book and usually it's not too long or involved um and i would blow up each page and laminate it and then put each page at your site, you could put each page around the playground so they have to walk as they read the story. Um, and they could read it at their own pace. Um, and you could you could do different books. Like you, I once did a book, South, which has no words in it, so they had to make up the story themselves as they went. Um, but there's also lots of books we read together, like um, uh, Monarch... And milkweed, I think it is. Uh-huh. We did that one in the fall because it was a time when right. milkweed was drying and, um, you, you know, know. Like, first, do you before. read the book to them before and then do they, like, kind of encounter the book with you or by themselves so they're already familiar, like, a little bit with, yeah. with the sequence? I didn't do that because the, uh, we had a lot of space where we were. So the stories, like, they had to hike. Oh, to get to the second page. So that's so um, cool. It's like a little, like, I love that. It's but just like a mystery at the end. Yeah. Right, right. And I would put um, Each page, right? numbers on where to, like, go. And um, we always had two teachers. One would linger by the um, last one because one of the things about nature play is giving people, giving children time and space, like, not rushing them. Okay. And, um, but I think, you know, depending on what your location is, it, it might make sense to read it first and then go outside and, um, see if they can sequence the story together. Yeah. Um, So do you have any other, like, um, like what are some of your other favorite things to do outside with your kids? They love any type of scavenger hunt. Um, so I might show them, like, like for instance, some sensory things. Here's something kind of slimy. Here's something rough. And here's something smooth. Let's see if we can go outside and find three things that have the same texture. You can cool. do that. Yeah. Um, the colors are, are easy. A color scavenger hunt's easy. Um, but they also like... Um, the collecting was good yeah. um, but I, as they got better at it and with some of the older children um, for instance in the winter we talked about how bears don't actually hibernate all winter that's not exactly true um, hmm. they get up in January because they have their cubs um, awful hard to sleep through a birth right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at the hungry Right. They're really and hungry. So we did a scavenger hunt. We walked outside, and I didn't know how this would go. And it was like, 
what is there out here that a bear could eat? And they were so ingenious. It was awesome. Like, um, they found chewed up pine cones, which they do eat. They don't love them, but um, berries still in trees. Right. Acorns and um, even leaves and and things like that. So we might um, do it around um, something like that, or I might... um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of squirrel drays. It's the nest that they build in the winter in trees. No. Um, so you guys probably have squirrels down there. I mean, it's oh, yeah. wild. Yeah. Squirrels in the so, city. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're probably in your trees. So next time you're there, it's harder to see their nests right now because the trees are so full. Right. But in the fall, after the leaves fall down, you can look up and there's these big piles of leaves and sticks in the tree and that's where the squirrels have their babies and live in the winter um it's called a dray okay wait and i have wait. to i have to interrupt you because now i this got me thinking wait dray d-r-y d-r-e-y D-R-E-Y. okay wait so i this is amazing information how do <laughs> is there do you have any resources that you like go to like for helping you like it sounds like you're familiar with this stuff more but like for me so you know to look for it I yeah, yeah like where how do you find this information as a teacher so I do have resources actually what I should do after we're done with a call is maybe even give you links we would yeah. to, like, love that mm-hmm. would that be instead of like going www oh, yeah, yeah. We'll post, we can post it on the blog me. that's perfect yeah that'll be great yeah. Um, sorry, keep going with what you were saying. So um, squirrel gray. Yeah, so I just got together some leaves and sticks, put them out on a blanket. Um, you could just put them on the grass and with a picture of one. And they use their binoculars to go and explore what do they look like up there, um, what needs to go in a dray, and they so had natural cool. materials built their own. Such um, rich learning right there. Yeah. That's amazing. And I love the idea of, like, setting it up and then just, like, kind of modeling what it would look like and then having them go on a hunt. And then, and then there's all sorts of little songs that can go along with it. Like, we used to play a game, um, little squirrel, little squirrel, stay in your dray. It's not time <laughs> to come out today. And, like, they'd all be hiding behind us. You know, they'd pick a tree or a spot oh, to hide. Dang. And I was the mom squirrel because they oh. always wanted to be the runners. Um and I would walk away like I was going to get food for them, and they'd all, of course, sneak out of the dray, and then you face oh. back. So it's just, I mean, that's like a silly little that's nothing so game. Fun. Yeah. You know, another thing they love is just any kind of fantasy play outside. Like, I, I don't know if you guys have a mud kitchen at your school, or? We don't. We, actually, we do. It's not, it's, we have the kitchen capability, but we don't have the mud capability. Maybe we'll go and I just, yeah. I just created a mud kitchen for Isla here and she's obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, they really love that. And it, it doesn't have to be like this fancy, it can be, um, although with COVID I'm trying to think, what yeah. we use outside is just even like if you can find puddles and they can stir them with sticks yeah. and add things to the puddle. If you can't, like, you, we could use bowls and pythons and stuff last right. year. I think right. that's that'll be the move. We were just talking kind of about making, like, having individual sensory bins that travel, like, can, you know, be carried by the child so that you could potentially Maybe make. even just get, like, you could even just essentially get a bucket for each child. Right. That would be their sensory. That can or their little there. outdoor mud kitchen. 
or they can use the bucket to collect and gather. Oh, I mean, right. You know, it would be nice to have a bucket for each. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys have any garden? I think I remember visiting. You guys had things growing inside, like a lot of plants, right? Inside, yeah. There's like plant, and there's definitely planting like on the in lower school that we can like have brought down. Yeah, not and like this we plant year, like but... little things in our classrooms for sure. Yeah, that's I guess so. In thinking about bringing the learning inside, um, like. Yeah, let's get into that. Like your tips, planting with children, those sorts of things. They they love planting, and it's a great way to teach empathy and responsibility because they want those they want those little plants to grow so bad. Like yeah. I actually use eyedroppers to water because they tend to overwater the children. Oh, that's a good tip. So, yeah. Um, it's harder for them to overwater something with an eyedropper. Right. <laughs> They'll go at it. Well, you'd be surprised. No. <laughs> yeah, but it, it just helps keep no, that totally. more yeah. well. There's um, also like things like microgreens that grow really fast. Yeah. Cool. Like they like um, chia pets, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's kind of. Like but there's pet? there's actually there's a Jewish <laughs> farmer. Um, it's called Closed Loop Farms. Okay. Um, he is in the city. I, I, sometimes he brings microgreens like out this way and I get them from him the kids can harvest it with scissors. Like you could leave microgreens out that they can just go cut, um, some broccoli sprouts for lunch, you know, That's just so to try cool. it. So fun. Okay. And That's really it, special. Not, you take like a styrofoam container, um, that maybe like have you ever seen, like, if you get green beans and they're on a styrofoam container covered with plastic or... Yeah. Um, so if you have something like that, you just put a little dirt down, some seeds, and they grow really fast, the microgreens. Okay. The other thing you can buy is there's these little um, pods. I'm trying to think of what they're, what they're called, that you put water on, they expand, and you put a seed in them. Yeah, they're like little pellets. Yeah. Yeah, they are dirt pellets. Yeah. And not everybody has their own individual one. And you could, you know, cut up an egg carton and everybody can put their little pellet in an egg oh. cart, like a egg. And they each have their individual. That's so nice. Yeah. So you yeah. could grow some things separate that way so that they, you don't have the issue of touching and sharing. Right. Right. A little bit more space in between the kids. Yeah. Um, but I guess before we wrap up, anything that you think is just, like, the most important thing for teachers to know? Can't forget it. Well, two, just one couple things before that. Um, yes. So I know you guys are in urban areas, and some of the people, like, in my classes are from New York and Boston. Oh, great. And um, they actually really were active in seeking out partners. Um, one friend of mine from Boston is using a museum courtyard because the museum doesn't open till later in the day and um, there's no one there. So um, like first thing in the morning from nine to 10 or something like that, or some office buildings because people are not working in office buildings so much anymore. Um, Just looking around your site to see if there's any. Right. And get creative. Right, right, yeah, no, they, and, and they found that people were very receptive. Yeah, yeah I, but I love that idea, it's a good idea, like yeah, seeking out awesome. partners. Yeah, yeah, people are willing to, willing to help with that. So, so aha moments, so we ended 
every gratitude was like a really big value for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended every program or every class with a hoda'a circle. Um, just a few minutes of going around what you were grateful for from nature that day or from being outside. And it was my favorite part of every single day, just seeing how grateful these children were for like simple things like that we forget they want to do that means so much to them. Like I remember one boy was like, I get to run as fast as I want here. Oh, that's probably so huge for them. That freedom, like we talked about. And that's the other thing, sorry to interrupt, but when we were talking about what the outdoors offers, like it's a huge space and kids need space and how that feels coming outside and being like, oh, I can... I can extend and stretch and go and move. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's that's great. Yeah, that's the, the things they were grateful for because I, I kept that documentation was always really amazing to me. Even something like I felt the sun shine on my cheek. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, like delicious. Remembering how wonderful those little moments are and, um, you know, the awe and the wonder and the gratitude because children have to know they have to feel a connection to nature. They have to have a relationship before we can expect them to be um, shomrei adama. They can't be guardians of the earth until they have a connection or a love for it. And um, I think that's the biggest issue going forward with our world is um, if these children don't spend time outdoors, if they don't build a relationship or connection, who's going to take care of it? Why would they care about right. it 30 years from now? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, I can't wait to bring it to my kids. I just feel yeah. like this, we just, Lindsay and I just made a goal for the year. And maybe we're going to add some <laughs> See, outdoors. Yeah, we always had a couple more goals. Um, Margie, you're so knowledgeable about this stuff. Like, I really, the tips are amazing. I feel like they're going to inspire a lot of people that are like me and are like, where do I even start? I and if they're super practical and I feel like very doable even in the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can totally... Um, do that. There's a couple books. Like one is called Wild in the City, oh, with okay. hundred ideas for um, what to do in a downtown city. Cool. I love that. That sounds right up our alley. Um, awesome. Thank awesome. you so thank much. Thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you for letting me talk about my favorite thing. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's very cool. And it's, hopefully, we'll get to see you soon. For yes, I'm sure we'll. Something. Our paths will cross. Yeah. One day. I know. I know. Thanks, thanks, guys. Of course. Have a great day. You too. Bye, Margie. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So that's our show. If you would like to learn more about Margie and the amazing work that she does at Tom Teva, you can go to TomTeva.com. That's T-A-A-M-T-E-V-A.com. You can also go to our blog and check out more of the things that we talked about with Margie. Our blog is www.TheReflectiveTeacherPodcast.com. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you should follow us on Instagram. We are trying to post a little bit more and kind of show teachers how the things we're learning from our experts that we interview can be used in the classroom in easy ways. You can follow us at The Reflective Teacher Podcast. Thanks for listening.